He descended into hell. How many times have you said that in your life? If you've been brought up in churches that use the Apostles' Creed as a regular part of worship, it might be hundreds of times. If you're older, maybe even thousands of times. But is it true? Is it true that Jesus went to hell? That Jesus actually did descend to hell? I'm going to summarize the answer very briefly and then explain why this is the answer from the Word of God. Did Jesus descend to hell? Did Jesus go to hell? The answer is no and yes. No in some senses, yes in another sense. You may say, well, does this really matter? It seems an awful like weird theological conundrum. Does this really impact me? Does this change my life? Is this important? Well, it is. It's very important, first of all, because if it's not true, we have to stop saying it because it's a falsehood and it's a lie if it's not true. We can't confess a lie. If it's true, then we have to be able to confess it intelligently, knowing what we're saying and why we're saying it. It's also important because understanding this line in the creed will help us know Jesus better. And anything that helps us know Jesus better is going to help us in our daily lives. And it's also important because there is a lot of false belief around this phrase, he descended into hell, which actually impacts the salvation of souls and the urgency of witnessing. So this is not just some minor theological discussion, but a pretty major truth that we have to try and understand. And that's why I want us to ask this question today. Did Jesus go to hell? And to understand it from this passage, it's really important that we understand the context, the background to the verses. If, if you take a verse out of its context, you can make it say anything. And that's why it's really important to look at the verses before and sometimes after to understand a verse. And in the context here, that's why we read from verse 13, it's first of all explaining to us why Christians will suffer when they witness. The, the, the Christians Peter was writing to were a bit puzzled because they're witnessing to the gospel, to the good news, and they're suffering persecution as a result. And they're like, why is this happening? And, and Peter says to them, Spirit-inspired witness will bring suffering, but it will also bring souls to Christ. So, he's comforting 
the Christians of that day with this truth, Spirit-inspired witnessing to the truth of the gospel will bring suffering to you, but it will also bring souls to Christ. And you can read that in verses 13 through 17. And to encourage them in this, he points them to Jesus. That's what we see in verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. You see the same truth there? Here we have the Spirit-inspired witness of Jesus that brought suffering into his life, but through that he brought many to God. So Christians, be encouraged. This isn't something new and unusual. Jesus himself, in his Spirit-inspired witness, suffered but through that, brought many to God. And then he gives another example, and it's the example of Noah. And that's what we're going to focus on. But basically what he's teaching here is the Spirit-inspired witness of Noah brought suffering to him too. But through that, Eight souls were brought to safety, Noah and his family in the ark. So you see, three times he's saying the same thing. The Spirit-inspired testimony of a believer will bring suffering, it will bring persecution, it will bring opposition, but be encouraged, because in doing so, it will bring souls to the Lord, to safety, and therefore it's worth it. So it's not unusual it's not new, and it's not pointless. It will bring great fruit. So, with that in mind, let's ask this question. Did Jesus go to hell? And our first answer is no. Jesus did not go to hell. In this sense, He did not go to hell physically. He did not go to hell in His body, and He did not go to hell in His soul. He did not go to hell in his body, because his body was in the grave. And he did not go to hell in his soul, because his soul went straight to heaven. And that's proved, first of all, here with Peter's words. And then we want to look at Christ's words. So let's look at Peter's words here, first of all. And I want you to see, first of all, the preacher here. Because look at verse... um, 19. It speaks of, in the Spirit, Jesus, and I put that in square brackets because they're not the exact words. I've summarized the words of Scripture there. In the Spirit, Jesus went and proclaimed the truth, of course, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah. In the Old Testament, Jesus preached not physically because his incarnation didn't happen till the New Testament, but he preached by the power of his Spirit through many prophets, through many of his people, and through Noah. Noah was a preacher, preached for many, many years to his generation. And and he didn't do this alone. He couldn't do it alone. Who could for 120 years? 
build an ark and call people to repentance and safety? You, nobody could do that. And that's why Peter's saying here, it says of the same Spirit that enabled Christ to suffer in witnessing, that same Spirit is what motivated and enabled and empowered Noah, in which, verse 19, in this Spirit, Jesus went and proclaimed. He, he preached this message. So, the preacher here is Noah. Secondly, who are the hearers? Well, in verses 19 and 20, we're told, by the Spirit, he, that is Jesus, went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison because they formally did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared. So, here we're being taken back to Noah's day, and we're being told here that Noah preached, Noah proclaimed by the Spirit, and through that, Jesus preached through His Spirit in Noah to the people of His generation. They're called here spirits in prison, right? When were they spirits in prison? Not in Noah's day. They were real. They were living. They were physically there. They are spirits in prison at the time of Peter's writing. He's saying, Noah preached to this generation when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, and Peter describes them as they are now because they did not hear the message, because they didn't believe the message, because they didn't repent. They are now spirits in prison. They are in hell. They are in the place of eternal imprisonment. So, these were the hearers in Noah's day alive, and now, as a result of not believing, their spirits, their bodies are in the grave, their spirits are in the prison of hell. Matthew Henry puts it like this, because they were dead and disembodied when the apostle speaks of them, that's in 1 Peter 3, Therefore, he properly calls them spirits, now in prison, not that they were in prison when Christ preached to them through Noah. Okay? So, we've got the preacher, Noah. We've got the hearers at the time, the people of Noah's day, at this time of writing, now spirits in prison. And what was the message? Well, it's exactly the same message that Noah preached, that Jesus preached, and that the people of Peter's day were to preach. It's a message of repentance and faith. It's, it's a call by a tiny minority in Noah's day, Christ's day, the people Peter was writing to their day, and it's the same in our day. We are always small. We're always a minority. But whatever the size of us, the number of us, we have the same responsibility, whatever the suffering we endure, to preach to the people of our generation while God's patience waits so that they will never be spirits in prison, but believers with us forever. So, the parallels between Noah's time, Peter's time, our time, very obvious. So, we have the preacher Noah, the hearers, the people of Noah's day, and the message, just the normal message of repentance and faith. 
And it's very important that we understand these words in this way because it's this text that some people, in fact, many people, in fact, the whole Roman Catholic Church uses to teach the belief that Jesus went to hell after he died. And before he went to heaven, he went to hell and he harrowed hell. He preached the gospel in hell to the spirits in prison then, and through that, some were saved and brought to heaven with him. Therefore, it's very important that we understand this passage rightly so that we're able to say, no, that is not true. And how do we know it's not true? Well, it's not just on the basis of Peter's words, but also Christ's words themselves. For example, we have the words of Jesus to the thief on the cross, where when the thief repented, Jesus said, truly, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus was going to paradise, going to heaven, and so was the thief with him that he had just saved. And then again, in Luke chapter 16, 26, Jesus is teaching the people of his day about the impossibility of anyone passing from hell to heaven or heaven to hell. And he concludes it with these words, between us and you, and he's speaking to someone in hell, between us and you, rich man, a great chasm has been fixed so that no one can go from there to here or here to there. It's impossible, Jesus is saying. And then in Luke chapter 23, we have Jesus saying, as he's breathing his last breath, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. He knew his body was going to the grave. Where's his soul going? His soul's not going to hell. His soul is going into his Father's hands, his Father's presence. And then in John 19, Jesus said, just before he died, it is finished. His suffering was over. There was no more suffering to be suffered. And therefore, the idea that Jesus could go to hell, the place of eternal suffering, is impossible. It's finished. No more suffering was there to be suffered. He was going to heaven to get his reward. So, Jesus did not go to hell. In this sense, his body was in the tomb, and his soul immediately, when he breathed his last, went into his Father's presence, not via any time, not even a second in hell. What does this mean? This means you won't get a second chance, right? This is why this is so important, because this idea that Jesus in the past went to hell, preached the gospel again to people who had already rejected it and been sent to hell for their rejection, that therefore this gives us hope that Jesus can do this again. At least go into a place allegedly called purgatory, a place somewhere made up between heaven and hell, and that people will get a second chance. Never. It's not going to happen. We're told elsewhere in the Bible, it's appointed to us once to die, and after that, judgment. It's, it's over. 
There are no do-overs in hell. There are no second chances. Therefore, use this chance. Use this opportunity. Don't have any vain, empty, pointless hope that somehow or other, because Jesus did it in the past, he'll do it again, and you'll have another chance to believe. This is it, friends. This is it. It's now, or it's never. You see how important this is to grasp for urgency, for truth-telling, for salvation? You will not get a second chance. But you do have a chance to witness. As we confess this, as we believe this, it should motivate witness. As we think, death is it. That's it. There's no second chance. There's no do-overs. Well, let's be urgent. And let's be passionate in our witness. Let's, let's remind ourselves continually, this is it for our loved ones, for our friends, for our neighbors, for our families. And that will make us willing to suffer in witnessing. It will make us seek the help of the Holy Spirit that we might be faithful and truthful in witnessing. So this is our chance to witness as well as believe. Therefore, let's take them. We have one chance to believe, and we have one chance to witness. One chance to believe, and one chance to witness. Let's take these opportunities. So that's, that's, our, that's our no. Jesus did not go to hell in that sense of either bodily or in a soul going there. So should we stop saying the creed? Well, I want to show you how, yes, Jesus did go to hell. How, in what way, did Jesus go to hell so that we can keep saying this? Well, first of all, some people say this, this phrase in the creed means that Jesus went to the grave. Now, there's a reason for this. Both the Greek and Hebrew words for hell can, in certain places, also mean the grave or the place of the dead. It also, this understanding of the phrase, he descended to hell, matches the chronology of the creed. It's a very linear, this happened, then this happened, then this happened, then this happened. He suffered, he died, he was buried, and then if he descended into hell means he was in the place of the dead, it's, that's the next step, isn't it? For three days, he was out of sight of the living. He was in the place of the dead, not the place of the living. That's chronological. That's the next step before he rose from the dead and he ascended to heaven. That's why some of the Presbyterian catechisms say that. It says Christ's humiliation after his death consisted in his being buried and continuing in the state of the dead and under the power of death until the third day, which has been expressed in these words, he descended into hell. So here are the Presbyterian fathers of the faith who thought this through and 
saw this phrase in the creed, and they come to understand it as Jesus was in the place of the dead, his body, of course, not his soul. However, it seems to be an unnecessary duplication of truth. When, when we say, and he was buried, does it really add anything that he was in the place of the dead? It's really saying the same thing twice, and the creed is very concise. It has no unnecessary words. The good thing about this understanding that it meant Jesus went to the grave is at least it's not saying he went to hell. It's not saying his suffering continued by in any way going to hell. It's talking about just the public report. He was in the grave. He was regarded as dead. He was regarded as being in the place of the dead. Here, though, is, I believe, the best understanding of the phrase, he descended to hell. And it's this, hell came to Jesus. Hell came to Jesus. He did not go to the place of hell, but the experience of hell came to him. And in that sense, he descended into hell. And that's why in the Heidelberg Catechism, which we recited, on this phrase, why, why do we have this phrase? It is to assure me, during attacks of deepest dread and temptation, that Christ my Lord, by suffering unspeakable anguish, pain, and terror of soul on the cross, but also earlier in His life, it didn't just begin on the cross, has delivered me from hellish anguish and torment. So, this is what we mean when we say he descended into hell. The experience of hell was his. He did not need to go to the place of hell to experience it, because the place of hell is the wrath of God and the torment of devils and demons. And that's what Jesus experienced, especially on the cross. Calvin framed it as one of two ways the cross can be viewed. This is what he said. This isn't Heidelberg Catechism. This is John Calvin. The creed sets forth what Christ suffered in the sight of men. He suffered. He was crucified. He was dead. He was buried. That's the visible. And then speaks of that invisible and incomprehensible judgment he underwent in the sight of God. This is what was not seen by human eyes, but what God Himself saw, and what the Son Himself experienced. He descended into hell. So, in this sense, it's not so much another step in the chronology of the suffering of Christ, but it's a summary of all of it. So, looking back over how He suffered, died on the cross, and seeing in summary, he descended into hell. So, Jesus, yes, he went to the grave in his body, the place of the dead. That's the truth, but it's not the truth that the creed is teaching here. The truth it's teaching is much more 
than simply he went to the grave. It is that hell came to Jesus. Hell came to Jesus. And this is this is the core, isn't it, of Christianity. That's why this is so important. This, this is what it's all about. Jesus suffered hell so that we would not. You might say, well, how, how can you suffer eternal punishment in, what, six hours on the cross? How is that possible? Well, it's possible because of the nature of the person and the value of the person. We all understand different values of suffering. So, you take a worm, you squash that in the ground, you don't give it a second thought. You put it on a hook, catch a fish, you don't give it a second thought. It's a worm. It's not of great value. It's got the nature of a worm. You wouldn't do that to a person, would you? Because you, you view people as, as much higher in their nature. You wouldn't even do it probably to a cat or a dog. So we, we all recognize the nature of the thing has, has some consideration in working out the value of someone's suffering. A worm's nothing, their suffering's nothing. A person's a person, human being made in the image of God. Therefore, their suffering is massively valuable. And then you think not just of the nature of Jesus as human, but also as divine, and therefore of infinite value. Again, we, we understand this. You, you, you look at the media, you see somebody suffers and dies, it doesn't make any headlines. A president suffers and dies, it's in the headlines. A queen, a king, a big business person, that somehow or other communicates that we all see that while everyone's valuable, some have more value. Some's suffering is of more significance. And therefore, when we think of Jesus as the infinite, eternal God, we see His suffering as of infinite value. And therefore, His few hours on the cross of suffering are enough to deliver multitudes, millions, maybe billions of people from suffering even a second of hell. That's the gospel, isn't it? He suffered every drop of hell so that we would not need to suffer one single drop. You see how this helps us bring to worship, to worship with all our minds, not just our lips, but with our minds, with our hearts. And that's so important. Michael Horton said this, his hell gained our heaven. His curse secured our blessing. His incalculable grief brought us immeasurable joy. Therefore, let us say it with conviction and with joy he descended into hell. Jesus suffered all hell so that we would suffer no hell, zero hell. So, yes, Jesus did go to hell in the sense 
But hell came to him, and he went down to its deepest depths until he exhausted God's wrath against the sins of all his people. Did Jesus go to hell? From this verse and from this general teaching of Scripture, we can say this. Be prepared for suffering as you confess Jesus' suffering to save others from suffering. As we confess Jesus' suffering from hell, we might suffer a little bit. We might take some blows for that. We might lose here and there. But isn't it worth it? If through our Spirit-inspired witness, our little suffering resulted in someone being delivered from eternal suffering, from everlasting suffering. Is that not worth it? Peter's saying, Jesus is saying, the Word of God everywhere says. So let's confess our faith with intelligence, with understanding, with feeling, with joy. Because every time you say that, believer, He descended into hell. Remember You could actually switch that around and say, so that I do not descend to hell. That's the meaning of this. This is the significance of this. He descended into hell. If you can say that truly of yourself by faith, you can find an interest in this little phrase of the creed that sums up so much of Scripture's teaching, then you're basically saying, and essentially saying, and joyfully saying, so that it would never be written of me or said of me, he descended into hell. David did not go to hell. David, Murray, will never go to hell because he descended into hell. Can you put your name there? I was hearing this week of someone I knew for many years who died. And the news came to me just as I was preparing this sermon. And as far as we know, all his life and all his words were faithless. Although he was right beside a church all his days. And I just couldn't but think he has descended into hell. If that doesn't move us and motivate us to speak the gospel, witness to the gospel, suffer for the gospel, I don't know what will. So let's let's be willing to suffer for our faith. And we can do it with the help of the Spirit, as Noah did, as Jesus did, as these disciples said, we can too. This is worth it. So, so get this truth for yourself. Just make sure it can never be thought of you or said of you when you die. She has gone to hell. But rather, Jesus went to hell so that she never needed to.
and we'll go straight to glory. Let's pray. We worship you, Lord Jesus, because you descended and how deep you went into hell so that your people who put their trust in you will never taste anything of hell. Lord, use us as your witnesses. We pray for those who have joined us even today as new members, young and old, that, that they too would become beautiful witnesses for you, willing to suffer as they witness so that others need not suffer forever. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your salvation. In your name we pray. Amen.